Welcome to the Fireside Chat, presented by Rotographs and Pitcherlist. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Paul Sporer and Nick Pollock. Hello and welcome to episode 675 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, April 19th, and it's a Fireside Chat. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Nick Pollock. Nick, how's it going? What is happening? Happy Friday to you, Paul. Thank you. Same to you, good sir. We're talking some pitching today. And uh, I did release my new SP rankings for those of you waiting for the uh, the, the rankings talk. It's going to be next week. We will get all that situated. We need more time than that. We're working on a little bit of a time budget today. So we are just going to dive in on a couple of, of pitchers and, and stick with our, our roots here. We did a Nick Pavetta one last week. He's subsequently been sent down. Quick thought on that. You cutting him in all formats, or is there anywhere where you're stashing Nick Pavetta? I think you can just cut him, honestly. It, it's going to be some time, and you're just going to sit there with a wasted bench spot for a while. Agreed. Especially mixers, and maybe an NL only because it's an NL only, but even then, if I really came up against it and felt like, oh my goodness, maybe some... I'm trying to think like who could be available that would even be maybe Jared Eikhoff, his replacement. Right. You know, I would I would I would make that move. And, and the cool thing about Eikhoff is that he's going to get the Rockies first. So anyone that is hyped initially, it, that might not go well, but then you can get it after. Yes. Then we can get those bids in this week on the cheap. I'm with you. <laughs> we've, we've expressed some Eikhoff love, but you and you and Alex Fast on, on the pitch list on the corner have even more so in in the past uh you know calendar year or so so Eikhoff we're intrigued by and if it doesn't go so well with Colorado that's fine buy in it's Colorado don't, don't even worry about it don't even worry about it <laughs> but that's not who we're talking about today we're no. talking about Sonny Gray and Luke Weaver two interesting starters to really kick off the season here they were in that in that you know thick middle tier uh, they had their their detractors and their believers really kind of separated into two camps. I'm sure there were some folks that were kind of ambivalent about them. I think I used that word, right? I'm not entirely sure, but let's pretend I did. <laughs> you did. Uh, and and so you know, I don't know that anyone was like must get Sunny Gray or never. Well, actually, there were some never draft Sunny Grays. That there definitely were some of those. But Luke Weaver was probably more of like a, I got my proponents and we'll take him. We're gonna start with Gray because he did have those big detractors. And then this was like the quickest victory lap of the year. An inning in, you know, it's like it, if you watched it, it was a cold, gloomy day, ugly weather. He's struggling with his command. He walked four, ended up giving up five hits. So he puts on nine and two and two thirds, three runs, two of them earned, and he's out. And this is why I didn't draft Sonny Gray. You know, I, I knew it. I knew it. This is exactly <laughs> why I didn't want to get Sonny Gray. I told y'all that once a sunny gray, always a sunny gray. It's like, that doesn't even make sense. But um, Did someone actually say that to you? Not once a sunny gray, <laughs> always a sunny gray. But absolute, this is not a straw man. There were absolutely victory laps. Oh, of course. I, I got uh, I got people saying, how is he even on the list at this yeah, point? Yeah, just right. chirping about it. And I'm like, come on, dude. If you want to jump ship, if he has four bad starts in a row. Like if we were at this point now and they were all four clunky – Fine, jump off the train. However, it's been three solid ones since. Two legitimately good ones, two quality starts, then a four-inning start. Um, he got pulled. He, hit he got pulled. I think it was in his calf maybe. Something, yeah, yeah, something like calf. that. Maybe a batted ball hit him. So he got right. pulled after That's, four strong innings. It's it's real, it. Oh, it was so a bummer, man. He was facing Miami, two hits, six strikeouts, no walks, um, and no runs. That was a bummer. But bounced back with a six uh, baseline quality start. What do you call it? 
Poor quality start. Uh, a poor quality start, exactly. So that's the one that's the baseline. Six innings, three runs, right. but nine strikeouts. This would be a little bit better than a poor quality start, I would say, uh, for base runners. But you're only talking about the runs versus innings. Exactly. VPQS uh, so, is 1.5 whip. That's a very poor quality start. Then you add another V for every base runner after that. Okay. Okay. I like it. Uh, so, yeah. He's been great since that since that first outing for Sonny Gray. I'm curious what you're seeing out of him, and if he's somebody that's really ascended up up the up your list as a a must have must start kind of guy for Sonny Gray. Yeah, the one thing I really like about Gray is that he's gotten progressively better with every start. Uh, the one thing in particular was a slider in this last one against the Dodgers. Six whiffs on 15 thrown is exactly what he was missing in the other starts. Uh, he was getting there against the Marlins. It was 3 out of 14, and he felt like that was really what he was hinging on there. But it, even the previous one against uh, against the Pirates with 6.2 innings pitch on uh, April 5th, he only had one whiff and 16 thrown. He really needed his curveball to be that that breaking pitch that earned those seven strikeouts. But this really felt like the start where everything was coming together. And it was a three-run homer by, by A.J. Pollock that really yep. just... Oh, it was so frustrating to see because he was really cruising through a good team. I mean, we had the Marlins and the Pirates before, but this was him inside of L.A. Uh, L.A. Blue, I believe it's called. Is that right? Dodger Blue Stadium? I don't even remember. Chavez Ravine? What? What's what are you that? talking about? The, the, the stadium name. What, what Did is they it? change the name of it? I think it's, it's just, Chavez Ravine. Chavez Ravine? I've never. I think it's still Dodger Stadium at Chavez Ravine. Oh, okay. I, I want to say it's like. LA Blue or something. I don't remember. Oh, well, that yeah, I, I, I might have missed a, a name change there. Uh, no, 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 definitely not. But the point is is well taken. You know, he was cruising. I will say this: I'm almost heartened when someone's cruising like that and it's one pitch. You know, it's it's, it's right. I, it's I, I put the two runners on too, but it's like one bad pitch to AJ Pollock, which you know, and he takes it out of the yard, and there's your three runs. But other than that, he Sonny Gray was beasting on him. Yeah, he was cruising through that game and. Uh, really the question becomes all right so if he's out on the wire everyone's like oh no that was the marlins he got hurt or something and no i wasn't picking up for the dodgers and you see this and you think oh is he gonna fall off is he not he gets the braves next and personally for me i'm in uh i'm in it wasn't the best locations of everything with it with his fastball and his slider but i think it's good enough is there's a lot of bite now on that slider fantastic uh, he got some terrible swings, even against A.J. Pollock. He had a really nasty uh, slider that earned a swing strike out of the zone, well out of it. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm in here. I think this is actually a lot safer than you think. I think he's gone past his woes. And against the Braves, I'm in. I'm starting for that. I'm in as well. In fact, it's a two-start week. He opens the week. Uh, they don't play on Monday. So he's he's their first starter on Tuesday. Sonny Gray is with a two-start home against Atlanta and at St. Louis. It'll be a good challenge, too. And if he comes out of this standing tall, I think you'll see his roster rate creep up into the 90s at that point because I think everyone will be bought in and you really won't see him all that available. You definitely want to jump on this week where available. Probably going to see some 10-teamers, maybe even some 12-teamers where Sonny Gray's available. I'm looking right now on ESPN. He's at 24%, so he should be available in, in your shallower leagues. Like, or, or there's a chance he will be, not, right. not, not guaranteed. In my own 10-teamer that I'm looking on right here, he's not. But, um, yeah, that two-start, looking really sharp here. Is it is it back to an Oakland level? Or is it, I'm looking right now at the 29% strikeout rate, but only a 9% swing strike rate to go with it. So it feels like that's going to come back. We don't usually uh, stand by those big strikeout rates that aren't supported by a swinging strike. Mm-hmm. Is it, is it going to be like an Oakland type, peak Oakland type of level, though, where he doesn't have great strikeouts, but he gets volume of innings? 
and great ratios, or do you think he could add to a swinging strike rate and validate some of the strikeout? I will say this is CSW was excellent in this start against the Dodgers as called strikes plus whiffs. So yeah, it was 12 whiffs over 87, uh, 87 throw it was actually very good of a swing strike rate uh, for Sonny Gray. But at the end of the 21 called strikes too, that's 33 over 87. That's well above average. That's fantastic. You want to see that. And that should dictate a good strike error rate. Those nine K's sound about right. Called strike plus whiff CSW need to go check it out. You guys have probably heard it on the fireside before. Nick's been mentioning it for a good while now, and they mentioned it over at the pitch list. Alex Fast did an amazing breakdown of it, top to bottom, introduction, breakdown, regressions, uh, you know, figuring out the correlations that it does with everything. CSW is valuable, and it's not some end-all, be-all stat, but it's very useful, and it gives you something – Swinging strike rate, we, we, we've had it before. Remember Fulte last year was someone who kept boggling our minds that he was having this big strikeout rate, but there was just not the swinging strike rate to go with it, which was surprising with him because he does have nasty stuff. Fulte mm-hmm. you know, sits mid-90s, has, has the good breaking stuff, uh, and we couldn't figure it out. I bet his CSW was good, yeah. and and that you know we started to look more, and you started talking about CSW, CSW. We got it put on our daily leaderboards. Um, at Fangraphs, you can now click live daily leaderboards and you click on starter or I mean any pitcher really. You'll see swing strikes and call strikes. Add those two up, divide uh, with the pitches. Boom, that's your CSW. And if you're over 30, you've got a pretty good start going. Exactly. And then if you're over 40, you're beasting. And so a guy can supplement the swing strike rate with the call strikes. And if they're consistently doing that, you're still fooling guys. Sure, it's better to get whiffs. Because they wanted to go for it and they didn't get it. And that that speaks to a level of nastiness. But do not sleep on the value of having a good uh, called strike rate as well. So if Sonny Gray maintains a quality CSW, then maybe he doesn't need the swing strike rate to boost up to maintain a quality strikeout rate. Maybe not 29%, but say 24 25%, which I would also take. Because that would actually be a full season career high if he held that all year. No, completely. And uh, yeah, I would say this about CSW. I mean, Fast did such an amazing job it was in that article. Awesome. It's really, really just so cool And, and the folks it. he worked with, with the stats and yep. everything, it was great. No, it was, it was really an excellent job it's, it's just one of those things that inherently makes sense you know obviously we're going for sure we want to get a lot of swing strikes but a lot of times the batters are just patient and yep. they, they're just not going to especially these days and right? be able to do both right to be able to pound the zone a ton and then say okay fine when they do want to swing well you still can't hit it those two inherently make more sense than just one or the other and actually inside the article you'll see that there's better correlation with csw than just flat out swing strikes uh, which is why we, we're leaning towards using it more often anyway yep Back to Gray. Well, um, okay, I, I was actually going to use that as a transition, oh, yeah, nice. but, okay. if you, but if you're ready with, if you still well, got something on Gray, go ahead. There's two things, really. One is that we just got to make sure the home run suppression is still there. Right now, it's an 8.3% yes. home run fly ball rate. He does pitch inside of Great American Ballpark, and that is notorious for not being pitcher-friendly, uh, being mm-hmm. a launching pad often. So we might see that raise a bit. But as far as what we are expecting from Gray, I, I think there is a good middle ground here. Exactly what you were saying, around 24, 25% strikeout rate should be good. I think the Reds will also let him go. If this isn't like the Brewers or Absolutely. other other teams are really focused on relievers. They'll let Gray go six innings constantly. So you will get good volume as well on top of uh, that good strikeout rate. 
Yeah, so we're buying, we're holding, um, get them, and, and, and plan to keep Sunny Gray for a good while. I was going to mention CSW as a jump off for Luke Weaver talk because, remember, in oh, his yeah. – uh, 2017, it was a little blip. It was only 60 innings, but he had a 29% strikeout rate with a 10% swinging strike. And it was like, how the heck did he do this? And, you know, we did plan for regression on the strikeout right now. He went all the way down to 20%, which I thought maybe he'd beat that a little bit, but it does marry with a swinging strike rate, which you say, you know, two to two and a half X mm-hmm. uh, will get, of a swinging strike rate will give you a general idea of an expected strikeout rate. And I do wonder what Luke Weaver's CSW was in 2017. Uh, but anyway, there, even if it was good, though, year-to-year stickiness of CSW isn't necessarily that that uh, great. So even if he was um, getting a great CSW rate in 2017 with those 60 innings, it didn't mean that he would do it for a full year in 2018. Right. But anyway, he flopped. Uh, he went, you know, I, I was laying off of him, but I didn't expect him to put up a near 5 ERA. 495, 150 ERA whip combo for Luke Weaver in 136 innings. It just did not go well. And then he gets traded, and he became an afterthought. And then I was really ready to buy back in. He was a late rounder, Luke Weaver was, that I definitely liked because, I mean, you can't go from loving this guy as a top 30 pitcher. He has a, a bad season, but it wasn't an end-of-the-world season. It was just a, a bad full-season run-through. And I'm sure you could go through and find spots where he was doing well and do the whole game log thing where you, you're like, okay, it wasn't as bad as we thought. But he becomes like a 300 overall pick in Arizona. And I'm like, well, I'm back in on this. And so far, he's been excellent. But I want to investigate it further to see what are we really looking at here with Luke Weaver. He got off to a little bit of a wobbly start. So, again, it was like, well, why did I buy back in on this? I should have <laughs> known. He was trash. But it was at L.A. They bopped him up a little bit. Uh, five runs, four of them earned on six hits and two walks. A homer allowed him four and a third. But since then, he's allowed just five runs in 16 and a third, including his last two outings with eight strikeouts against the Padres and nine at the Braves yesterday in a really impressive day game. So I wonder where you're at right now with Luke Weaver and if he's somebody that's emerging into an all formats, full time starter kind of guy. So if you remember Luke Weaver from his prime, he was this amazing fastball changeup guy. His changeup was so good down to the zone. And then he would pair that with a fastball and it would deceive a lot of batters. It you just didn't know what was coming, and it was such pr- good precision with the pitch uh, in St. Louis. Also, they had that great camera angle behind it, so you could really see the separation. You could really, yeah. You, you could see why batters were fooled so much, despite it being a two-pitch fastball, like he didn't, or fastball change. He really didn't have a breaker that right. he could rely on. So that first start against L.A., uh, his fastball was in the middle of the zone, and the changeup was nowhere. It, it was just everywhere is really what I mean. It was down the middle. It was under well underneath the zone in the dirt. It was just terrible. The last two starts, his changeup has gotten so much better. If you look at his his plots, it's just at the very bottom of the zone and then slightly underneath it. It's a blob, or it's your glob, Spore, in a strike zone plot. Uh, It's so great. That's exactly where you want that changeup to be. Now, the one against the Padres, I was a little worried because his fastball was either middle or down as well. And you want that to be up. You want that to be in the upper third. Yeah, it was hit, then, in the hittable part of the zone for right. sure. And then you want to have the changeup at the very bottom. Now, guess what? This last start, well, that's actually what we got finally. We got that upper third of fastballs. Then we had that amazing glob again of changeups down. But even better, he also had cutters inside the zone. On top Ooh. of that, he has a pitch you can throw for strikes that's not this changeup or fastball. It was only 12 thrown, but he, was, he threw 10 of those as strikes, which is so great. 
So mix, mix all of that. We have 33 over 93 CSW, which is great. That's about 90 or 34% or so if I'm doing quick maths. And quick. <laughs> I, I'm a fan. I, I like where Weaver is right now. And now that maybe it doesn't stick. This is only a two-start sample. We've think, seen things you know, ebb and flow during the year. Next start is against the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'm so in for that. I'd say grab Weaver now, starting for that. If that keeps going well, we could Vargas rule this into a full season thing. Uh, but I'm buying this. I, I I want to think that there is something inherent that he changed to make sure he's getting down on that changeup and then being able to hit that spot with the, the fastball up in the zone. It's perfect. It's exactly what we're looking for. And I'm in. Another two-star guy here we have uh, with with – Luke Weaver, he goes at Pittsburgh and then home against the Cubs, and they're not really tearing the cover off the ball. And I think you're going to find even more availability than with Gray uh, for for Luke Weaver. So definitely go out and check in in all your leagues. Never assume, by the way, even on Gray, don't assume that he's that he's gone in your uh, 15 teamers. That's uh, that that's a cardinal mistake that I think people make too often. It's like, well, he, oh, he can't be available. I saw him, you know, on a roster recently, and it's like, no. Make sure you do your due diligence. I'm pretty intrigued by this, too. And I think I would go maybe like a Vargas rule plus. For those that don't know, this is referencing Jason Vargas a few years ago when he was inexplicably beasting. Like he was doing legitimately well for way too long. It didn't make any sense. Uh, There was actually some viability to it with the way he was pitching. I know it's hard to remember or hard to think about that now with the way Vargas pitches, but he was like working his fastball up and in and then his changeup, which has always been good, was really working for him. But it was like one of those things where as soon as it goes south, you want to jump, jump ship. I think with Luke Weaver, I would give him uh, a, a start, maybe even two, depending on how they were before I would jump ship. I wouldn't necessarily just be off at the first sign of trouble. Keep him at a arm's length, you know, make sure you're not uh, going overboard with it. But I'm I'm in on this for sure. And uh, a two-start week, go get both. You get four starts out of the two of them. Uh, that would be a nice uh, addition to your rotation for sure. So I, I like Luke Weaver as well. I've got him a little bit lower than Sonny Gray on my upgraded uh, or my updated rankings. But both are in the, uh, the spot starts in shallow leagues, which means you're definitely using them for a two-start. If they're on your roster, you're using them. Yeah, I, I'm in. I mean, 20.5% swing strike rate this year on that changeup for Luke Weaver. That's the highest he's ever had. A small sample, that's, of course, but I'd love to see yeah. that working. You do you do love to see that. So, all right, well, that's Gray and Weaver. Uh, we're going to talk more about a lot of pitchers next week. We're going to talk rankings, disputes, and and where we're high on guys, low on guys, where we have some agreement, too, maybe on some guys that yeah, are kind right? of on the come up <laughs> or some guys that are, like, struggling studs because we do have a lot, like, just looking over yours this morning because we were going to do it and then we were pressed for time. Um, so I have gotten a full look at what you're doing, and uh, we have a lot of – things where it's like oh we see eye to eye and so but it'll be good uh topics because they are guys that maybe people are a little bit unsure on and so we can Mm -hmm. talk about them in that capacity so we'll definitely do that next week uh we'll we'll schedule it maybe we go before friday if or we have to schedule it early on friday so that we have enough time because i want to i want to budget time we'll make sure that we we do this right okay perfect well nick it was great speaking with you and i hope you have a great weekend take care spore Thanks for listening to today's Fireside Chat with Paul Spore and Nick Pollock. Follow both Paul and Nick on Twitter at Spore and at PitcherList.